I'm Shelby, and I'm from Reynoldsburg, Ohio. So what was broken on my car was really unique, and they did a wonderful job at tracking it down and had it there the next day and fixed. 3C dealt with my insurance, so I just got to sit back, and they took care of everything. I had my car back within a week, then somebody else hit it, and now I find myself back at 3C Body Shop. I would recommend 3C to family, friends, and anybody who's been an ex. 3C Body Shop. Experience the joy of watching your friends and family's faces light up when you feed them wild game you harvested and made them delicious sausages. Or meat you barbecue and grill with the finest seasonings available. Visit our friends at Waltons.com to find everything you need to turn wild game into tasty meat snacks or spice up your barbecue with new flavors and seasonings. With over 500 seasonings to choose from, there's something that everyone will love. They even have step-by-step videos and how-to articles at Beachistics to help you go from animal to edible. Use coupon RANGERS15 at checkout to save 15% on your first order at Waltons.com. Waltons, everything but the meat. My name is Abraham Alexander, and you listen to the Ranger Report podcast. The Ranger Report. Yeah, the Ranger Report. Inside scoop. Listen to the Ranger Report. Oh, here we go. This is the Ranger Report podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the Texas Rangers from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here are your hosts, Ben Dieter and C.J. Berryman. Welcome to the Ranger Report podcast. My name is C.J. Berryman, and uh, what? Let's do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Ranger Report podcast. I am CJ Berryman. You can find me at CJB underscore RR. I am Ben Dieter. You can find me at BDeter75 on the Twitter. I am thrilled to be joined today by uh, GM of the Frisco Rough Riders, Victor Rojas. Victor, how are you today? Doing all right. How are you doing, guys? I'm doing good. Apparently, this is GM week on the Ranger Report podcast. We had Tim Jackson on earlier this week. There you go. You're so, all yeah. set, man. We're, we're we're getting we're getting big time now with all these uh, all these GMs coming on. <laughs> that's how you guys roll. That's it. That's, that's exactly right. Roll. Exactly right. All right. Let's start with uh, you've been there since January of 2021. So, what have you really enjoyed about being the GM of the Frisco Rough Riders so far, Victor? Uh, I've really enjoyed being home uh, and being near my family and being able to chance to to, to really watch my my kids uh, my daughter last year to graduate high school and go off to college and then my son to, to kind of delve into to baseball full-time last summer then you know kind of following through with his junior year and now into summer ball so that's been uh that's been a godsend for us that uh, you know opportunities that uh, hadn't really presented themselves in the past because of my you know summer schedule being tied up on the broadcasting side when i was in southern california and uh but that, that's the number one reason why i was looking to kind of be home and you know i'm fortunate that this opportunity presented itself and i'm having a i'm having a great time great great community great ballpark uh got a wonderful staff and uh you know the baseball hasn't been too bad either 
No, it has not for sure. And I was going to ask you, you sort of worked into my next question. Let's t- talk about the attendance and the community buying at Frisco. Cause you guys have had, you know, this is really the first full year back and you guys have had really good attendance. Of course it, it helps having some big name guys there, but, and, and the baseball has also been really good. So what's it like kind of this year to have the community buying that you guys have there in Frisco? Well, I think it's a, uh... Yeah, I think the buy-in has been there, and maybe maybe the the shine. Obviously, after twenty years, that uh, uh, yeah, well, next year will be the twentieth anniversary of this ball club. That uh, you know, after a while, you you find other things to do, and 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 while you know, COVID certainly didn't help things. It was a little bit of a slow go for us getting just kind of up and running last year, and so we knew that it was going to be you know a jump up in attendance compared to to twenty twenty one, just because of the the limitations and the comfort zones of individuals uh, and companies really, uh, you know, not wanting to come out just yet until they were certain that they were going to be safe and or felt safe um, through the pandemic. And um, so last year was overall was a, was a, a very solid year, all things considered. I mean, when I got hired, we didn't even know if there was going to be a season um, and lo and behold, there was. So we were thankful for that. And uh, this year, a little bit different, obviously with everybody, kind of, uh, you know, loosening things up and the pandemic kind of uh, at arm's length. Uh, I think people feel a lot more comfortable and, and, and really coming out to a, like I said, a, a ballpark that's still, even though it's 19 years old, it, um, it's still very unique. Uh, there's a lot of wonderful characteristics to it. Uh, we're still, you know, family first and family friendly. And we're still very affordable when it comes to professional sports, uh, especially in our marketplace. So I think there's a number of factors that play uh, well for us. And uh, I, I think we've seen that, you know, Jack Leiter early on certainly uh, piqued the curiosity of, uh, of many, especially the the hardcore baseball fan. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think as the summer has progressed and the weather's gotten better and, you know, the baseball has been pretty good for the most part. Uh, you know, I think people just kind of realize that this is a, another opportunity to come out and, you know, get outside with the family and, and enjoy, you know, two to three hours of, of just fun um, in a very safe place. And I think that's, that's really what it boils down to is that uh, we, we've got a place here in, uh, in the community that is, um, that, that has piqued the curiosity of obviously those that we've had for a long time and season ticket members, but, you know, our community continues to grow and expand. And so we've got a lot of new potential uh, first time buyers in the marketplace. And we're seeing quite a bit of that as well. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that, you guys had, you guys had a, a stacked starting rotation at the beginning of the year with Reagans and Bradford and lighter and Zach Kent, you know, you guys, and then of course your, your, your bats with Blaine Krim and some of the others, you know, Dustin Harris is tearing it up right now. So can you talk a little bit about, you've covered a lot of baseball in your life. Can you talk a little bit about what you think is making Cole Reagan's year so special now that he's been called up to round rock? Well, I just think really anytime you're talking about just pitchers in general, uh, when they can throw strikes, uh, I think that obviously <laughs> throw strikes, do it consistently and do it at a high level. Uh, I think uh, you're, you're, you're destined to, to kind of climb the ladder a little bit. Uh, he's had a, a wonderful season this year, to be perfectly honest with you. And it's when you look at the strikeouts, innings pitched, uh, his whip is, is where it needs to be for a guy that's, that's uh, on the uh, on the upward trajectory, and, uh, and I think that's why you see uh, him getting called up uh, as quickly as he has. I, and I and I say quickly just because you know, ten starts with us, and all of a sudden he's gone and um, and, and making making waves already in in Round Rock. Yeah. Uh, 
So I think that's that's the beauty of it. And, you know, I, I get you don't want to get too attached to minor league players, right? Because you know they come and go. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I think that's the hard part sometimes. Uh, you know, Cole spent some time with us last year, and it was you know mixed bag a little bit. And um, but I think uh, the switch was flipped last year. You know, it's not an easy jump going from you know the Sally League to 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 Double A. Yeah. And you know, I think he realized that, and I think he took it upon himself to go into the off season to make the adjustments he felt that he needed to make in order to to not only compete at this level but at the higher levels. To, it's one thing to prepare for one level, uh, but it's another to kind of flip the switch and say, wait a second, I'm not just going to be satisfied pitching at that level. What do I need to do to get to AAA? What do I need to do to get to the big leagues? Yeah. And uh, obviously, you know, he did that coming in and pitched well for us here. And now he's just pitching terrific baseball in, uh, in round rock. And wouldn't be surprised if this, if he's in the big leagues, uh, if not, you know, this year at sometime next year. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either. We actually had him on last week and just, you know, he's a great young man. Perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect interview. Really nice guy. I actually covered his first game in round rock and got to talk to him afterward. And he was, he was pretty happy with that. I mean, that was a pretty good debut at triple a. You couldn't ask for much more. Yeah, no, he's, he's a, he's a good kid. And I think we've been really fortunate. I mean, you've been out here, you, you get a chance to talk to a lot of these kids. And, mm-hmm. uh, there aren't too many bad guys no. uh, as far as the Rangers organization, but I've encountered in my two seasons here. Uh, you know, last year we had a, a really special team that was fun to watch and exciting yeah. this year, a lot of, a lot of promise. And it didn't really quite play out that way in the first half, just from a, from a record perspective, a little inconsistency. But from a from a dude perspective, they're just good dudes. I mean, they yeah. really are genuinely good people that happen to be tremendously talented at what they do. And so I think we've all been fortunate. I know Zach Bigley and uh, Chris Jarrett to do the radio broadcast yeah. are fortunate that uh, you know they get to interact with just great guys and and they're also giving of their time and uh, you know you you not that you worry about a, a name prospect like a Jack Ladder, but I mean, he's been as advertised and I'm fortunate yeah. to have known his dad and had, had his uncle pitch for me when I was in Newark uh, many moons ago. Uh, but he's, he's just, he's just like everybody else. He's just another guy that happens to be possessed, possesses a terrific arm and terrific mindset uh, of a professional. And I think he's obviously going to go very far just based on uh, who he is, how he was brought up and, uh, obviously what he brings to the table every single time he's out on the mound. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that's the thing that I've noticed too, with all these guys I've talked to, they're all stand up guys. They're all good guys. They're all, and, and they're, they're all easy to root for. Now from a marketing standpoint, Victor, how hard is it with what we're talking about that you can't really market guys for too long? Cause you just don't know how long they're going to be there. Some people don't understand the general manager of a minor league team is not like what Chris Young does. You don't decide on roster moves and all that. You're, you're more of the entertainment side of the ballpark, correct? Yeah, I mean, you're essentially right. Uh, we have nothing to do with the baseball side of things other than a few times we get a chance to interact with them and, and or have them be a part of something, whether it's off the field, a camp or a signing or something to that effect. But other than that, we're really just uh, we're caretakers of this this facility and, and, and we worry about the events that we bring in here uh, and try to bring in here 365 days a year. Um, so uh, that, that's the biggest issue for us is, is you know, how do we market uh, the events that we have here, Rough Riders, obviously are number one priority, especially with the, uh, you know, the, uh, the 10 year licensing agreement that we have with the Texas Rangers as being their double a affiliate. Um, so we're going to market the team as much as possible. Uh, but like to, to your point, as far as the individual player, 
you know, we, we roll the dice on the lighter stuff. We, we have no idea how long he's going to be here. Nobody, they don't share that information with us uh, yeah. or Cole Reagan's or anybody to, for that matter. So we just, uh, we just plan things out. And if they happen to be here when that time comes and great, if not, big deal it's the minor leagues we'll just keep doing it uh and, and just move on so that's it makes it easy for us to not have to worry about that or try to time things because if you're trying to chase timelines and or you know try to get with the big club to find out if and when someone's going to be moved based on a theme night uh i I'm pretty much can guarantee that the the big league club uh is not overly concerned with our <laughs> promotional calendar and uh and, and nor should they be to be perfectly honest yeah. Now, now you, you mentioned it. Let's talk a little bit about um, Chris and Zach who do your broadcast. Uh, last year, they were fantastic. Zach does such a good job. Chris has added another, another element to that. That's made it even better this year. And you as someone who called games for, uh, for a long time, I mean, it's that second guy really makes a huge difference. Doesn't it? It does. Uh, you know, the minor leagues uh, as a broadcaster is, is not the easiest thing in the world. Cause you're, you're a one person band uh, for nine innings and you're doing play by play and you're doing color and you're editing and doing all kinds of stuff, post game shows and the like. So we're fortunate that uh, Chris Jarrett joined us this year as our broadcasting intern. And he's been able to fill in on a couple of occasions when, uh, you know, Zach has had to go out of town and, and on family uh, business and uh, they've both been terrific guys. Uh, two totally different sounds. Um, when they're together, they sound great together. And uh, when they're in in there by themselves doing play by play, you can tell who's who, and um, that's always good. And you know, Zach and I have had a couple of conversations uh, over last year. He sent me some stuff and some meetings that he'd like for me to critique. And you know, I'm always going to give him my uh, my honest opinion because I want him to obviously get to the next level, if not reach the major leagues at some point. And for Chris, he's, you know, a little bit on the younger side, but he still has the same passion and drive and um, same goal of, of getting to the big leagues as a, as a major league broadcaster, as we all did uh, when you're in the minor leagues. So uh, yeah, I'm fortunate to have two great guys. They bust their tail every single night, uh, whether they're here at home or when they're on the road with the team. Uh, I think Zach's just happy that he doesn't have to sit at, you know, and listen to a radio broadcast or watch a, a bad MILB TV feed from somewhere <laughs> to, to try to call a game and or to provide some sort of summary like he did last year. Yeah, because that's got to be tough. But no, yeah, and you know, we talked about this last time we had John. Zach does such a good job. And I think you guys have a, a real gem there. And I don't think I don't think he'll stay at the double A level for too terribly long. No, I, I think he'll be uh, he'll be gone. He had he had a little taste of big league interview life, uh, this past off season. And, um, you know, in talking to that team, once they made their decision, uh, they were very, very impressed with what Zach brought to the table and they feel themselves that he's going to be a big league broadcaster at some point. So that's always good to hear, even though you didn't get the gig, um, you know, that when you get major league feedback like that, it's always positive and it's yeah. something to build off of. So, uh, you know, there's no doubt that at some point down the road, uh, it'll happen for them. All right. So I wanted to ask you an off the wall kind of question about the team you used to cover. I'm sure you saw the big uh, brawl that happened between the angels and the Mariners, uh, this last weekend as a, as an announcer, when you're what, how, how do you get through calling when something like that is going on? What, what, how do you, you know, I, I'm trying to word it correctly. How, how do you get through that and just not either laugh or, you know, it's just such a difficult situation to have to call through. Yeah, I think that one might be a little bit different just because it was uh, fairly animated and there was 
you know, it was a, it was a moving pile and there were some punches being thrown. So I think that one, you know, there's some, there's some seriousness to it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think you need to call play by play. The pictures usually <laughs> tell the, tell the story of what's going on. But I think, uh, you know, I've, I've always been, or always was a guy that called the games and, and the action with my eyes. And I never really looked off the monitor unless it was a replay. So I think I would have been looking down at the field and seeing what was going on and see what was going on on the, on, you know, on the outside of the periphery. Um, that's usually where things kind of start sometimes, you know, a little push shove and guys trying to patrol and then trying to keep things clean and somebody takes offense to it. That's where you get little mini scrums that happen outside of the big dog pile. So yeah. it, it's, you know, it's one of those situations that, uh, that that's a, that's a pretty decent fight uh, for all things considered for baseball. Yeah, because uh, a lot of times it's just uh, a lot of chirping and a lot of barking mm -hmm. and uh, no bite. That one had a little bite to it. And, yeah, uh, you know, obviously a lot of suspensions were handed down, a lot of games. So yeah, uh, and a and a big injury too with Archie Bradley going down with a fractured right elbow too. Yep. So that's that's the bad thing about those type of things when you get into it. If you're going to go, you get better go, uh, but you got to be you know cognizant of the fact that there's there's always risk of injury. Now the Angels are a team that you covered, and they're in the Rangers division, and and just. You know, it's to me, it's somewhat disappointing. Sometimes they had the best player in baseball for years, and he's still one of the best players in Mike Trout. And they've got a generational talent in Shohei Otani. And they just year after year, they can't seem to put it together. And I don't know, you know, what that deal as a Rangers fan, I'm not too upset about that. But I, I do, <laughs> I do want to see Otani and Trout. I mean, be successful on a successful team. I would love to see those two guys in the postseason. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a shame that Mike's only been in the uh, postseason one time and they ran yeah. into a red-hot Kansas City Royals team uh, that year. And so it's it's a shame that that hasn't come to fruition for them. But look, at the end of the day, just like anything else, it all comes down to pitching and defense. And yeah. if you don't have pitching and or defense, you're going to be in a lot of trouble regardless of the offense. You know, I covered, you know, some pretty good offensive teams for the Texas Rangers, meaning uh, they put up a lot of runs, but they also yeah. gave up a lot of runs, you yeah. know? It's cool that you can put up six runs a day, but if you're giving up seven, you're not going to win too many games, right? So <laughs> that's correct. I'm I'm not a mathematician, but that usually does not <laughs> fare well for you as a ball club. And uh, you know, I think uh, the lack of depth uh, at the minor league level, uh, which was has been apparent for a number of years uh, on the pitching side uh, for the Angels, you know, forces their hand to go have to go out in the free agent market as they did this past off season and try to pitch you know, kind of patchwork, uh, their, their bullpen together, you know, Rice Ellie Glacies, I think had a fantastic year last year. And I think yeah. it made sense, um, to re-signing him. But when you're talking about the bridges, uh, that need to be built from that fifth inning on, because you don't have guys in the bullpen or in the uh, rotation, I should say that work deep into games, you know, you're rolling the dice with relievers. Uh, it's just the nature of, of that business. Unfortunately, you know, it's just, it's, it's a crapshoot when it comes to relievers, especially setup guys. And yeah has not worked out well at all uh, for Perry Manassian or the angels in that regard. And, you know, the same could be said too, for the uh, position side. So, you know, yeah. they've, they've run into, you know, Rendon's out for the year with his yep. injury and he's had some, he's played like 150 games in his three seasons there. And uh, they've had to run a bad luck. Uh, so uh, that coupled with, you know, Joe and Dell, not really taking that step forward that they are the leap for they, they were hoping for Brandon yeah. Marsh, just been a guy. Uh, so there's a number of factors that go into it, but really at the end of the day, if you're not, if you're not developing players on a consistent basis, uh, and who knows, maybe they're doing it now and you'll see that come to fruition in two or three years. Yeah. Uh, cause I know they had some, 
had some younger depth at the A ball level, but that sometimes, you know, like Jeremiah Jackson, I just saw him at double A because I was in Birmingham and the trash pandas were in town to play the Barons. Yeah, uh, Jeremiah Jackson was a highly uh, drafted player out of high school as a shortstop and playing second base. It, it, it takes a while for those high school players to, you know, unless you're a Joe Adele type, yeah, you know, Mike Trout type, it takes a while for those guys to come up and, you know, sometimes you can wait, sometimes you can't. Um, and unfortunately for the Angels, you know, with Fletcher and Rendon being heard, they kind of get exposed as far as the lack of depth that they have on their roster and at the minor league level as far as immediate help. Yeah, I agree. And and again, it's just, you know, as a Rangers fan, you you want to dislike them, but I have I can't dislike either Otani or Trout. Both those guys are such likable guys, such good, yep. good guys. And, I mean, should be the face of the MLB because they're such – class acts and you know i read an article on otani on all the pranks he likes to pull on people and it was just hilarious he just seems like a it just seems like an awesome dude yeah they're they're great human beings that happen to be extremely talented at what they yeah. do and that's that's the the good thing about it and i think um you know mike now with the son is you know changes your perspective a little bit uh you know when you become a family man and joe he's still very young and uh just coming into his own a little bit of a down year right now uh, overall compared yeah. to last year obviously Obviously, tough to follow up an MVP caliber season like like the one they had last year. So, uh, but I, they're both great guys. Uh, you know, I'd love to see them in the postseason. And um, but I don't, you know, unless something drastic happens, Astros aren't going anywhere. You know, the Rangers are trying to position themselves for next year uh, and and beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Seattle, you just never know because. Uh, Trader Jerry might just trade the whole roster because that, yeah. that that really has not lived up to that hype. No. Um, so there's any number of things that could happen in Oakland. You know, Oakland will be rebuilding until they move to Vegas. So, yes. um, but that's always a team that's tough to play at. It's a tough place to play in the Coliseum because it's tough yeah. to get up for games. And, um, it's, it's a tough division and I don't see it, you know, slacking anytime soon. Well, Victor, I really appreciate your time today. Ben, it's always a pleasure, my man. Yes, sir. And uh, go Rough Riders. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, Victor. Have a great day. All right, buddy. Take care, Ben. We are joined by Frisco Rough Riders pitcher, Zach Kent. Zach, how you doing today? Doing great. Good to be back on, guys. Absolutely. This is your third time on. I think we got a new Ranger Report BFF. Yeah, I think so. Let's go. Hey, <laughs> every time I've spoken, I've pitched well. So. <laughs> yeah. See? I like it. I like it a lot. I like where you're going there. Uh, so speaking of which, you had a, a little bit of a injury setback, I guess you could you could say. So you haven't pitched since uh, Amarillo, yeah. correct? Uh, since um, Midland. Midland, I'm sorry. Week. Midland. Yep. So can I, can I go ahead and, and talk about that? When did that thing creep up on you? And it was the hamstring, right? No, it was my shoulder. Oh, so shoulder. I just had a little shoulder. Yeah, I had a little shoulder tightness after okay. the uh, Midland start. Went six and two-thirds through – I think just around a hundred pitches, maybe a few under, maybe two under that. Um, felt good out there and I uh, went to sleep that night, woke up the next morning. It was just a little tight. I didn't think nothing of it, played catch on it. Still, still was tight and I uh, got to my bullpen day and I just didn't feel good throwing off the mound. So I talked to uh, Jeff and I was like, Hey Jeff, this is what's going on. You know, he said, no, don't worry about getting on the mound kid. Just be ready to go for Arkansas. He said, if you do what you did last time, you'd be good. I was like, all right, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so Sunday came and I could throw, but it just didn't, it just didn't feel, 
it didn't feel like it recovered much in those four days of uh, rest or whatever. So I decided just to miss that start. Um, I didn't think there was nothing really serious going on. Um, it was just kind of, for some reason, my body just didn't recover very well from that start. So uh, just missed that, missed that one. And then was going to start the beginning, like sometime the beginning of this week, but I would have thrown the schedule up if I'd made a Tuesday start. So I went ahead and just, uh, flipped to Sunday since uh, Jack wasn't going to be able to start. Everybody was already moving up a day to begin with. So it yeah. just made sense to throw Sunday. So that's the plan uh, Sunday for, I don't know how many ends are going to let me go, but I can go as long as they let me. So, so you guys are now halfway through the season. You get to this point. I mean, every year, I mean, every year that you're in the minors and you move up, you pitch more innings than you pitched the year before. So yep. on your shoulder, on your arm, on all that. I mean, it takes some getting used to. Sometimes it's just fatigue, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's what you see a lot of times. It's just um, as the innings start to build up and you start going six, seven innings. Um, I've been able, you know, I've been fortunate enough to go a few, uh, getting the sixth in a few times, and I've thrown the seventh in and got, gotten into the seventh last time. So I've kind of started to as that workload kind of started to build up. Um, I hadn't really been there before. I kind of went from going five innings and then also I went seven. So I didn't really have like a the natural buildup where you go five, six, you know, a few times you go six and you go seven. Like I kind of skipped going six and went straight into the seventh. And uh, even in Wichita, like I had a little normal tightness after, but it kind of, it kind of, kind of ran its course as the week went on. I kept throwing and it got better. And then I was good to go. Even in Amarillo, I threw a lot of pitches there, um, but I didn't feel anything after. Uh, it's just for some reason at, at this midway season, at, at the midpoint, you, you get a lot of guys, you know, starting to, you know, hey, uh, kind of feeling a little different. It's usually the time where you start going seven innings, six innings for the first time, your pitch counts around 100 pitches. So it's kind of natural. It's a natural kind of built in. The all-star break comes at a perfect time for all the guys to heal up. And then you and you uh, finish strong the second half. Right. And then that, that start uh, against Midland. I mean, you pitched real well, like you said, six and two thirds, you quality start, 10 strikeouts, obviously uh, things yeah. were working well for you. And you said it didn't bother you during the game. It was that night. And then you woke up the next morning with some soreness. And so um, obviously it wasn't a major concern to just kind of get some rest and rest it up and, and yeah. get some, get some, get some energy back, I guess, probably. Cause I mean, just, it's not just, you know, your entire body's tired, like your arm's tired, you know, yeah. <laughs> Pitch, pitching, yeah. throwing a baseball and pitching, it's, it's unnatural to the body. It really is. Um, that's why softball players, they can go, game after game after game because that's a natural yeah. throwing motion but pitching isn't so uh did you i mean did you did you just kind of take that time off rest up and then kind of kind of go back over um how you've been attacking here since you've gotten them back up to frisco and, and kind of reevaluate where you're at because i mean you, obviously you don't really need to reevaluate too much because you've been doing pretty well <laughs> since you got called up yeah um it's just kind of unfortunate more than anything because I just started throwing the ball. Well, I mean, Amarillo's Amarillo. I think that night I threw, it was like 20 mile winds blowing straight out. So everything that was hit, it was like off the wall. And I was like, I feel like that wouldn't even hit very hard. Yeah. And, and it's, that place is, a, it's a launch pad just in general because it's so short on the left and right, right field corners, you know, but yeah. and they add, then you add the wind to, and if it's coming out of the, coming out of the West, Northwest, yeah, I mean, yeah you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even, even their guy, Bryce Jarvis, I mean, he's like a, he's like their top, one of the top pitching prospects and he got lit up too. I, I think he gave up 10, I gave up nine. And it was like, we had no idea how to keep the ball in the ballpark. I was more frustrated that I couldn't not give up runs. I would give up the lead every inning. And then we go out there and we'd score four runs and I give up five and it was just back and forth. I was like, I was like, this is like the, the most, like, like uh, I felt lonely out there. I was like, I can't do nothing to keep this ball in the ballpark. Yeah. Not one thing. Yeah. It's tedious. Um, but Yeah. Other, other than that, I mean, 
I told you uh, in Wichita, I said, I think June is going to be my month and, and our pitching staff's month. And I think you're starting to see that a little bit because uh, Cody Bradford, he went and punched out 11 one night against Midland. Uh, he's been starting to throw the ball pretty well. Um, Avery Weems is starting to throw the ball well where he's, you know, he's going uh, deep in games, going five, six innings and, uh, and just giving up. He's not, he's been kind of stingy with the runs recently. Tim Brennan, he's kind of, he's starting to build back up where he's starting to get into five inning territory, six innings. Um, Jack's still running, you know, he's running his course and doing his thing. Um, uh, who else we got? Uh, Slayton. Slayton, yeah, Slayton, he, yeah. Yeah, so he moved. He's uh, he's you know, he's been throwing in almost Sundays and whatnot. He started to throw the ball well. I think he threw three in and scored us his last time. So we're all starting to throw the ball pretty well now. We just got to get everybody healthy and, and uh, get back on track. But yeah. Yeah, you guys got that all-star break coming up here in the next few weeks, which is going to be nice, I'm sure, to have five days to kind of kind of chill out. Yeah, for me, <laughs> it's it's a little frustrating because I'll probably build up more momentum and then have a break. Yeah. That's what it seems like my year's been. It's build some momentum and then lose it. Build some momentum. <laughs> Amarillo. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, with that coming up with all that, you you guys are you you have you still have quite a pitching staff there. You just talked about it. Talk a little bit about watching uh what the special the special year that Cole Reagans is having so far, right before he was called up to Round Rock. I was there for his first start in Round Rock, and I was amazed yeah. that he looked I mean, he looked like he'd been there, you know, the whole year the way he pitched to Round Rock. And that's the same way he was pitching at Frisco. What what's he been doing? And did you sort of take anything from watching him uh pitch the way he did this year so far? Yeah. I noticed something different when we got to spring training. He just had like a different kind of persona about him. Before he was kind of like, all right, I just want to get back to pitching. Like you could tell this year he was very, he's, I wouldn't say goal oriented, but he's very like, like obsessed and task oriented. Like he, like all he cares about is this, this next inning. It's like a business like to him. Like he kind of last year was just kind of, hey, I need to figure out how to play again. That's, that's yeah. what you could say. He's like, how, how can I get ready? How can I feel good on my starting day? Now he's like, I feel like I think if you talk to him, he's like, I, "This is the best I've felt ever." And he goes out there, and you just see him. He's throwing, yeah. His cutter is like his is like his newest pitch, and he's back throwing it, back footing it, throwing it anytime he wants. It's almost he's almost relying on that as much as as it is with his changeup now, and his changeup is incredible. So it's just like seeing like the full like circle of of what he where he was last year. We he would have sparks of that when he was feeling good, and then now he's feeling good all the time. He's just dominant. So being able to like see that and you kind of kind of excite you, especially in Frisco when we were all kind of, you know, one starter a week was doing well plus Reagan. So it was like now that everybody's starting to feel good, he's yeah. gone, which kind of sucks because we don't get to see that every every yeah. time. But it's time for one of us to kind of step up and start doing that where everybody kind of gets excited and, and the pitching staff, like, oh, this guy, you know, he punched out 10 with six innings. I, 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 you know, I got stuff just like him. I can do the same thing. So just being able to see him, I mean, I don't think they're, at this moment, I don't think there's any reason he shouldn't get a look, you know, at, in the in the show because he's been dominant, and yeah. I think he's earned he's earned everything he's gotten this year. Yeah, and y'all got some help at both in the bullpen and in the rotation. Is Owen White come up? Has come up, and Mark Church yeah. has come up. So, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, you lose Reagan's, but now you get Owen White up there, and I mean, it's just like okay, you know, next man up, and uh, a couple of highly touted guys. So uh, it just seems like it doesn't matter if Frisco, at least for the past two seasons and, and Frisco and Hickory, the past two seasons, it didn't matter what pitcher was out there. Cause you had, you know, you and, and, and uh, uh, Jake Lats last year, you know, in Hickory yep. and then, and then, you know, Lats came up later on in the season and then, you know, it's just, it's just been fun to watch, especially in the pitching side, because the Rangers, I'm going to be honest, man, it's, this is the most stalked that our yeah. pitching staff oh, has yeah. been in years. Yeah. I mean, I, I, since I've been alive, 
you know, I'm 37. So, um, this is the, this is the best it's been. And it's, it's great. Cause it, it also, yeah, you're, you're competing with each other to try to make it, you know, but it more, more or less is, it seems just like you guys build each other up, you build off of each other and, the the more success one of you has, then the better, you know, the better the other is going to be and the yeah. more successful you're going to be because you can take from them and apply it to your stuff or they can take from you and apply it to their stuff and just kind of vice versa. So talk about that and how the, the competition is. And, and if there is any competition, I mean, obviously competition like, oh, you know, maybe some joking around, you know, <laughs> but yeah. but uh, but just kind of the competitiveness and how it's making you guys, you know, maybe play up a level because, you know, hey, there's some guys over here that can pitch if I don't, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, having Owen come up in, uh, when Reagan's went up, it kind of, um, uh, it kind of, he, he kind of was the, he kind of lightened the mood up a little bit. Cause sometimes we were all kind of real serious and competitive and Owen comes up, he's joking. He's, you know, he's a funny guy. <laughs> he's got, he's got that North Carolina accent where he's just, everything he sounds, he could be talking something serious and it still sounds funny and hilarious. <laughs> so he kind of brightens up the, the mood a little bit when he's in the dugout, uh, you know, while we're not pitching, but I mean, he's the same way as kind of Reagan's. He goes up there and all of a sudden it's business like and he's in attack mode, but he'll still make funny comments in between. Like he'll, he'll talk to you while he's pitching in the dugout and where most of us are kind of just sitting there and kind of just trying to stay locked in where he can almost flip that switch on and off between innings, which is kind of impressive. Yeah. That's um, unique right there. But yeah, with the pitching staff, um, I don't think I've ever been around a staff that has, one or more plus pitches and you go with Jack. He has three, three plus pitches myself. I got three. Owen's got three or four. You know, we all got like really like almost, I would say like, like ACE, ACE stuff. I would, I would yeah. say like, we all have yeah. like really, really good stuff. And when you see a guy go out there and he has similar stuff to you, but it's kind of different and you see him have success with it. It kind of, you, you kind of get fired up because you're like, my stuff's just like that. You know, and I, I'm going to, I'm always going to think I got better stuff than them. And they're always going to think they got better stuff than me. So it's, that's it good matter. though. That's the competitiveness. Yeah. I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah. We all, yeah. We all think we got the best stuff. So when we <laughs> see somebody go out there and we think our stuff's better, it just gets us more excited and fired up to go out there. And, uh, it's just like the pitching staff is, we're all very loose and we all, we all able to lean on one another, um, where you don't typically see that too much between the staff where, you know, one guy's doing well and, and he's kind of set himself apart. We're all kind of very similar right now with how we're, how our season's been going. We probably would like them to be better, but we know that we still have a lot of potential because of how good our stuff is. Um, it's just the, the right time to get hot to right time. I think it's starting to come around. You can see it. I think Owen with the, he kind of brightens the mood up a little bit with his finest. I think that's like the piece that's going to, let us all relax in the dugout and we're not all so tight. And when we pitch bad, he has something funny to say or something like that. You know, he's always, he's always saying the right stuff. It seems like. Yeah. And then you, you, it also has to feel good. The offense is, is, is very good as well. So, you yeah. know, if you can, you don't ever want to have an off night, but you know, Hey, if I slip up here or there and I have a, have a bad inning, you know, there's a chance, there's a really good chance that the offense is going to come out there and back you up. And, and yeah. also defensively, y'all's defense in the outfield, you know, especially <laughs> um, pretty, pretty darn good out there. And, and uh, you just look at, you just look at Foscue and Harris and, and Jonathan Ornelas who's having a great year. JP yeah. Martinez, mm-hmm. um, Jack's Biggers. I mean, I think Josh Stowers, you go down the line. I mean, it's just, yeah. It's nice to number one have that protection behind you, but also to know, hey, I don't, you know, if I if I if I mess up, I can let it go, and it's easier to let go when you have a bad inning or whatever, and because uh, mm-hmm. you know that the offense is a good shot, good shot of coming out and getting y'all back in. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, I've always said ever since I've met Blaine Krim is like you're never out of a game. With Blaine Krim's in the lineup. So you never know what that dude can do because he goes up there and he just hits the ball hard every time. Because we actually talked about it after the game last night. He was the only person that didn't get a hit last night, but I think he had the hardest hits. Yeah, like he hit the ball the hardest. Like all four of his abs, he just hit missiles right, right at somebody. But it's like when he's if he's going over, over, and he's hitting balls like that, like you're never out of a game. It, no, it's you're never out of a game with him in the lineup because he's never going to give in. Yeah. And that's what, you know, every time I've been, every time I've been to a game there and seen him play, every time I've seen him play anywhere, his bat just sounds different when he hits the ball. You're right. If he, if he yeah. barrels up, man, it sounds like a shotgun blast going off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's sometimes like, Oh, he missed it. And it's, it's gone out by 20 feet. And you're like, yeah. what? <laughs> I yeah. thought you missed it. He came in there and he'll tell you, yeah, I just missed that a little bit. You're like, what? <laughs> you missed that. It was, that was a 380 foot home run, dude. What are you talking about? You missed it. <laughs> yeah. That's nice when you can say you missed it and you hit it that far. It's like, you, yeah. you know, it's probably nice when you miss a spot by a little bit, but you strike a dude out and you're like, yeah, that's exactly where I was trying to throw it. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> we, uh, I think, it, I'm pretty sure it was Blaine Ben that we had on that was talking about Jax Biggers and how he said he's the funniest guy he's ever yeah, been around. Yeah, that was you funny. got any Jax yeah. Biggers stories, Zach? Um, I don't think any I can any I can say because he kind of <laughs> he kind of he kind of says he's kind of uh, the person that will say something and it's a jab, but it's so funny you don't take offense to it. <laughs> so he's, he's had a few kind of quick remarks, some guys that just cracks you up, but I don't think, I don't think uh, I should say him. So yeah. So he's, so he's, so he's witty. He, yeah. He's witty. He has, he's just smart. He's a smart witty guy and he, he knows what he's saying too. He's kind of like Owen. I think Owen's the funniest pitcher we got. And Jax is probably up there with position player on the team competition for the funniest guy on the team i guess huh pitching versus yeah. pitching versus a uh, versus position players yeah it's like yep. up in the majors they're having a competition on who has the best hair right now you know you guys yeah. have competition on who's the funniest so yeah that's for sure who who have you played with that you think has the best hair i know <laughs> i know that uh cole reagan's he had a uh, he had some some, he had flow some nice going hair and he, for a while yeah when we had him on the other day he uh he had cut it all off though he looks a lot better but i mean yeah he did have some yeah. good locks but who do you think has had the best flow that you've played with so far in your professional career um i would say tristan polly right now he's got tristan some polly. He, yeah he's got that curly uh like thick hair and like if, if you, if you like see it with his hat on, it's kind of like that curliness, but when he takes his hat off, it's just, it's perfect every time. <laughs> perfect. I was like, uh, I went, I went, I covered a Rangers game the other day and someone asked Charlie Culberson if Josh Smith now had the best hair in the majors and Culberson's answer was, you got to be here more than one day to have the best hair. So that was, yeah. that was a pretty good comment. Those guys are a little, a little, you know, a little offensive about it. They want, they want to, they want to be the ones who have the, it's just funny between him and Jonah Heim and, you know, Josh Smith and these guys, Yeah, it's funny what, what, guys like us will ask you know and it's funny to listen to these guys respond to it yeah yeah i uh i mean i had i had my little fair share of flow but the it wasn't the same length it was kind of the back was long the sides were medium long the top was long and it was just it just didn't look right but it looks good in the hat just looks scraggly <laughs> yeah i look like shaggy out there oh, nice Dude, in the 90s i had the grunge look i had shaved my head up to here and then it grew long from there i looked terrible terrible i don't know what i why i thought it was a good idea yeah i'm probably gonna be thinking that when i look back and see pictures of my mullet from 2019 to 2020 i'm like what do i do see i'm the only bald man in, in my family aside from my uncle but his my his his mother's different than than my my blood grandmother um she's she's my grandmother but um 
So yeah, he's bald, but that comes from his mom's side. For some reason, I didn't get my dad's hair. So <laughs> before I joined the Air yeah. Force, I decided I'm going to let my hair grow out and, you know, have it like curly, kind of like Tristan Polly, although not curly. It was a little, little bit more mullety and white trashy. But, yeah. um, so, so I did that. And my dad got mad at me. And he's, you know, he was like, cut that damn hair. And I'm like, well, I'm about to, you know, go to the Air Force and it's going to be shaved and I won't ever get to grow it out again. And he's like, yeah, you will. Whenever you get out of the Air Force, you will. Well, this happened. And I yeah. went bald. So I'm like, thanks, dad. You know, yeah, my, my mom, she has uh, four, four brothers. And they're all bald and they're all, and I was like, Oh no, that's not my, good for my, you, bro. Yeah, my good. dad's, my dad's dead. My grandfather, he don't have much hair. And I was like, dang, I'm going to be bald for sure. And yeah. when I grew my hair out, it started getting a little thin, but I think it was just cause it wasn't like between being in a hat and I always wore it like yeah. this, they kind of rubbed it. Yeah. Kind of yeah. went away. It was yeah. kind of just falling out. So I was like, I was like, I'm cutting it short so it can be healthy again. And then I've yeah. been trying to grow it back out, but I, I still got it. 24 still got it so they all lost theirs in like 18 so i, oh, I think i'm in the clear that, that's, yeah, yeah you might okay be in the now. clear yeah you might yeah. be in the clear i might be in the clear for my 20s we don't know yeah. about the 30s yet. yeah well 20s at least you know that'll be good yeah when i was yeah. 26 is when it started happening so you got a couple of years left i started going gray right. at 16 so i can't talk i'll take gray <laughs> i didn't lose my hair it went gray so i'm okay with that yeah yeah, that's all right then. But let's let's look forward. Do you? I mean, you know, you guys have the All Star breaking up, like I said, and the rest of the season. What kind of besides staying healthy? What what do you want to accomplish for the rest of 2022? Um, I just want to just be uh, more consistent. I think I think it's shown since I've been in Double A is like I'll have a really good start and then a blow up start and then a good start and you have two two good ones and then a mediocre one and everything everything ends up evening out and it doesn't look as good as I've been pitching. I think that's how it's been this year too. It's kind of came into the year and I was just kind of giving up a few hits and just get bad time in and give up a few runs. And then all of a sudden, bam, I, I go seven innings against Wichita and then I go six and two thirds against Midland. And it's just, uh, it's kind of just frustrating knowing that I have stuff to do that every outing, but yet I still have the little, the little blow ups that kind of flatline everything. So I just, being more consistent the second half, I think I'm going to like, my goal is to go at least get into the sixth inning uh, and then just be able to turn the ball over and, and not, you know, not have the lead given up or given up four or five runs in an outing and uh, just be more consistent and just be able to each week build off of the week before. And then hopefully by the end of the year, I'm able to not have 40, whatever 40 innings I got, cause I've been hurt and yeah. uh, hopefully be around that 110 mark by the end of the year and uh, just be consistent and have quality starts. And I think if I had those and it helps set me up in a position at the end of the year, whether it is the big leagues, whether it's triple a, or if I'm still in double a, as long as I'm able to put myself in a good position leading to next year, that's all I care about. Right on. So we we asked you the Whataburger question last time, and um, we we always get good answers on that. What's a what's a good place? It, it's uh, around Frisco that you like to go to, aside from um, Whataburger, of course. <laughs> there was there was this sushi place that I went to. I can't remember the name because I think it was kind of like a like a Japanese game uh, name, but I can't quite remember exactly what. It, what it was called but when you walk in it only had like four tables and a sushi bar it was super small hole in the wall and i just went there with my girlfriend we sat down and they had byob you could bring your own drink so any bottle of wine or anything like that you can just walk in and drink it you can bring beer or cooler anything you just sit down and the sushi was incredible it's the best sushi i've had but for some reason i can't remember the name off the top of my head but and i don't remember where it was because we <laughs> 
we Google mapped it. And, but it was, it was some of the best sushi, sushi I had and it was a hole in the wall and you could bring whatever you wanted. So you could just sit down and they were open from like 11 AM to 11 PM. So it was like, they were open like, like almost the whole day. And you can, it was a really cool atmosphere. Cause it was kind of, it was kind of like old, kind of that Japanese style yeah. of sushi place. It was, it was incredible. I can't, it's, I don't, can't think of the name, but it's in Frisco. It's always like, those hole in the wall places that are, that are the, that are the best places. Like we have Coyote Bluff here. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if you've, you've tried that yet, but it's a, it's a famous yeah. burger joint here in Amarillo. And um, they still, they keep it looking hole in the wall. I mean, it's small. So, yeah. and they make some burgers that are, so the, the, you, you remember man versus food, that, that TV yeah. show, he, the, he came here to Amarillo and went to Coyote Bluff and had what's called the burger from hell. <laughs> and it's, it's Sounds jalapenos spicy. and oh yeah, jalapenos, Tabasco. I mean, a whole bunch of just, and more than, more than just that, but I tried it one time and it was delicious, but man, you pay for it for about two days. <laughs> you pay. Yeah. And the older you get, the more you pay for stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Enjoy, enjoy the way your gut handles food right now, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Playing, playing professional baseball, you guys can eat about what? Three, four, five, six thousand calories a day and get away with it right now. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I eat breakfast and I get to the field and have lunch. And then I eat, sometimes I eat lunch before I get to the field and then I eat lunch there. Yeah. And then I have uh, like a post practice meal and then a pre game meal. And then I have a post game meal. And I'm just yeah. like, I've, all I've done is eat today. <laughs> <laughs> I've, th- I've yeah. maybe thrown a ball 40 times and then I've. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. Yeah. All right, Zach. Well, we always appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's always fun. It's always having a blast. Best of luck this weekend, man. Looking forward to watching you on Sunday. Thank you very much. All right, thanks, All right bud. Look, look, look forward to seeing you Sunday or this weekend. Go get them. Yes, sir. Take it easy. Thank All you. Right, bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.